to Ink and Pete, a podcast where memoir and Ireland share the stage. We talk with authors, guides, ghostwriters, and other free spirits drawn to memoir or enchanted by Ireland. I'm Barb Robitaille. And I'm Craig Stewart. features conversation with writer, editor, Helen Faulkner. Helen knew at an early age she was destined to be a writer. Born and raised in England, an Oxford graduate and longtime sub-editor at The Guardian, Helen moved with her husband and family to County Mayo, Ireland, nearly two decades ago. Helen is one of our cherished mentors on the memoir tours who helps guide writers to create pieces that they will treasure. Well, Bart, you weren't able to join in on the conversation with Helen, but you've listened to it. What was your take? When Helen said, stories are like dreaming on a page, that it was an opportunity for us to get something out, that has stuck with me over these last few days. And I keep coming back to that. And I think about how many of us are familiar with journaling as a way to access parts of ourselves and and letting go of some past um, as a therapeutic almost process. And what I love about thinking it in just with that slight twist that Helen offered are stories are like dreaming on a page. Mm -hmm. That seems to feel different for me and it gives me this sense of a permission to go to another place, to look with a different lens at our past and how we felt. Yeah, the whole notion of dreaming on a page is, it's liberating. It is. And that's how I felt this week. And it has been like this portal of, of going into story as that way of digging down deep. Nice. And so there's power in yeah. story. Speaking of portals, one of the times we met with Helen back in Kilala, we were at a mutual friend's house and had a little gathering that went on way into the wee hours of the morning. It's one of the most fun times I I can remember. I think about it almost every day. <laughs> and I don't think I've stayed up that late since. <laughs> and I think they do that all the time. It didn't seem to be unfamiliar to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well... We'll have to prepare. We'll have to be in training for next fall. Definitely. All right. It's worth the training. Worth the training. Absolutely. Alrighty. So now, put the kettle on and have a listen. Enjoy. All right, Helen. It's good to see you again. It's been a long time. Holy smokes. Yeah, good to see you too. My goodness, yeah. how long has it been? Oh, two, oh, I hate to think, two years, three years, two years. I thought, is it really? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yes, because you, oh. anyway, you'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. Looking forward to it. So, Helen, you have, it seems like if you look at the at your website, it looks like you've been reading and writing since primary school. And you've made oh, yeah. it your, you've made it your life since then. How did you know that you wanted to be a writer? What struck you from the start? Um, well, I can tell you exactly when I decided it. <laughs> I yeah. was about 
I was four or five, but I was, I must have been five, I think, because one of my early poems is about my fifth birthday. So, um, but there is a poem about my fourth birthday, but it was probably looking back. I can't. Anyway, <laughs> I just remember, <laughs> I remember my next brother up had written a poem about rabbits running by a stream. Okay, now he is five years older than me. And he wrote this poem, like, run, rabbit, run, sort of thing, by the stream, under the green trees, etc. And I'm like, wow. And everybody else gave him tons of praise. <laughs> and I thought, this is the way to go. <laughs> so, I wrote a, so I wrote a poem of my own, exactly the same one as his, word for word. <laughs> and everybody is like, my God, that's brilliant. And I thought, yes. <laughs> and then I carried on and started writing poems like that uh, yeah that had my own words in them yeah. yeah and you went on to oxford to study there yeah eventually yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. when i was 18 yeah <laughs> yeah and then on to uh on to the guardian where you reviewed books is that was yeah that yeah that no, wasn't my main job i just did it as uh, part of other i was mainly what's called a sub-editor so um, I would take the stories that reporters wrote and make sense of them. So it gave me a, so it gave me a ton of, you'd be surprised. So it gave me a ton of editing experience. What are you primarily looking for when you edit a piece? Well, I think um, a good editor doesn't destroy the writer's voice. The writer's voice is really important, that creative thing they have like you know like singers and artists or anything like that they have a voice of their own and um and especially in creative writing much less so than in newspapers but even in newspapers even with newspaper reporters you don't want to alter vocabulary you don't want to take a person's voice away from them and what they're trying to say what you just want to do is you want to preserve what they have, and then you just want to help them communicate it better, you know, Lovely. because yeah. that's that's technicality, that's all. So I don't think I would ever, you know, within every book, the real book is there, you know, because somebody has gone to the trouble to write a story and it's coming from in here, it's coming from in their heart. And which sounds incredibly sloppy, but it's true. I mean, it's emotion. It's an emotional process. It's an emotional thing to write fiction. You are you're writing emotions. If you just wanted to write facts, you'd write a factual book. And so, what you want to do is just help people. It's exciting. Help them convey that emotional journey. It's right. Help them with the technicalities of it. That's all. I would imagine it takes great sensitivity to be a good editor? Well, you have to be careful not to impose yourself. And the really best editors, the best editors I've come across are really fantastic at doing that, which means they can often come over as quite minimal, you know, and uh, so they're not doing massive amounts of corrections or whatever. What they're doing is, well, what do you mean by this? What are you trying to say? And then what they're encouraging the writer to come out of themselves and know yeah. and to understand what they're talking about right so when you are editing someone's work what if you don't know what they're writing about do you know what i mean if someone's experience or someone's writing a novel about 
I don't know, being in the Afghan war or, mm. uh, I don't know, their fourth marriage or something, something you haven't experienced. How do you, how do you then keep true to what, to their experience as an editor? How do you, I guess it's, it's sort of redundant, but it's asking you to find that their voice. How do you know when, when it works? It is a good question, but it's really, it's, that's why I think editing is, is a process of dialogue. You have to like talk to the writer. You have to know the writer. You have to understand the writer. I like, I much prefer editing by basically doing workshops with the person in front of me. Cause uh-huh. then, you know, because you can make mistakes. Like if you're just going on the on the writing, you can think, well, this is what they mean. And you try and help them say that, but it's yeah. not what they meant at all. So it's better to confer and have a dialogue about it to be sure that's what they mean. And of course, it's not just every story. There are, there are certain technicalities that are the case, you know, whatever story you're telling, like building a house or architecture, you know, every house, you have to be able to get into it. It has to be have a roof of some sort to protect it from the elements, you know. Yes. Like running water and electricity is nice or something to that effect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's sort of some sort of basic rules that have to be applied right. to make something, a story stand up. Um, yeah. So there's that. That's that's a common ingredient. Right. Excellent. When did you decide to leave journalism and become a full-fledged author yourself, or writer or editor you're on your own? <laughs> Um, when I had my youngest children, the twins, we decided to move to Ireland and I'd already, I'd had one book published by then and I was in the process of getting another published and I've always wanted to live in the country and my husband's Irish, which is a bit like Mary, we were met in London, but they always want to go home. So, (laughs) (laughs) so understandably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had the, the, he could move back to Ireland if we moved to the country because I love living in the country. So it was kind of more location than career related, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm midway through Primrose Hill, by the way. Which, oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a far cry from uh, writing about change, changelings in yeah in Mayo. You write what you know, but you're impacted by where you are, obviously. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I, I am like that. I'm very bad at writing about places where I'm not living. <laughs> I like to, I like to hear the voices and see it around me. It just just works for me that way. Um, had you known much way. about Had you known much about uh, the sort of ancient Irish history before? I, I assume you have, just because of who you are, knowing you just, I imagine you would know all about that. But before you wrote the changeling and the trilogy, did you research all of that a lot? Or did you, just, uh, did you talk to a couple of fairies on the way back from the pub? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people are interested in the West of Ireland. So for one thing, when I was a kid, I had a book of Celtic fairy tales, which had most of the stuff in a big book. And it was my favorite book as a little kid, this this. So I was very like, I kind of had read all about it a long time ago. And then when I got here and people started talking and telling stories as they do all the time, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So so it wasn't kind of new, but it was 
but it's amazing in the west of Ireland. It's all very on the surface. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like you, you think these stories are very long time ago, but they're not really. No, I remember uh, back when I first came to Ireland, one of the reasons I was sort of drawn to the place was I'd heard this story from John, from our friend John, uh, that uh, you could go to Mass on Sunday and talk with the fairies on the way home. You know, <laughs> this this combination of spiritual, mystical events happening all the time. And you mention in one place, you say that the, the veil is thin between the other world and uh, and where you are on the planet. Do you feel that? Do you feel that where you're living? Yeah, I do, but I've always thought that reality is an extraordinary thing. You know, we don't have yeah. to, like, it's so incomprehensible, the fact that we're even conscious and this stuff around us and the yeah. nature of everything is so extraordinary yeah. that for one thing it's clear that anything is possible and for and for another, you barely have to make things up but the stories are emotional stories. They're stories about the light and the darkness, the good side and the bad side, you know, the double nature of existence. And you say, like, for instance, Primrose Hill, and there's another book like that, Sky High, um, are very different, but they're not really. They're about teenagers that are discovering that there's a lot deeper and darker things to life than it appears on the surface yes a lot of people coming on the tour will be writing memoir i mean that's several won't be but but a lot of people that's the main reason they want to come and write um yeah it is what is your take on memoir and writing what makes for a compelling memoir oh what what makes compelling memoir is what makes compelling fiction i think is emotional honesty you know, it's um, obviously uh, memoir can also be the same thing that makes any story interesting, emotional honesty with interesting detail. And that just is the same for any narrative, really. And what's wonderful about memoir, and I do, I love memoirs, actually. Um, And I think they have a strength that fiction doesn't. I think the fact they're true is a very compelling thing. Yeah, there was an article in the, uh, the Guardian, as a matter of fact, just recently, about uh, a couple of weeks ago, that talked about a nurse. And I don't I think she was in London, but she's written a memoir that uh, sold 140,000 copies. And the reason wow. that the, the article, yeah, then the article was all about how we, as just normal human beings, are interested in other normal human beings stories as opposed opposed to celebrities or as opposed to oh yeah um in the top 10 bestsellers you know a lot of it now is memoir and of normal people doing normal things so i'm curious what what you would think about that as opposed to uh reading about some famous celebrity or reading about some someone who's lived their whole life at home taking care of kids well i think we really do enjoy reading about people's lives that can compare to us. Like the reason I suppose we read anything like fictional, and, and I do think memoir is very similar to fiction because it's about, 
is not it's not like reading a history book where you're just trying to work out the facts of something and how did the first world war happen do you know what i mean you're not mm. looking for an emotional journey you're looking for a set of facts do you know but uh with a memoir what you're looking for is that other person's emotional journey and so that's why you want the honesty and it has as i say it has that additional advantage of being true like actually a celebrity memoir is probably a bit more like a history book you're interested in them because they are who they are you know like they're david beckham or whatever and you actually literally are interested in the facts of their life i think the memoir that that you or i might write is much more similar to fiction in that what is interesting is here as a human being going through this emotional journey which is very comparable say to ours and we can we can it's a benchmark that we can think about and think about how we would have behaved in that way and it's just like just like making a new friend isn't it a new yeah. and interesting and articulate friend yeah yeah brilliant yeah that's excellent. So when someone comes to you and they haven't started, let's say someone comes to you in September and they're nervous. I don't know what to say. My life has been boring. I have nothing's, uh, nothing's coming. Would you have any advice for them or, or tips or suggestions? Oh gosh. Um, that may be an unfair question. Yeah, I wouldn't like want to prescribe like you'd want to talk to them and find out what they're interested in. Nobody has had a boring life. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Human beings live a very long time and very strange things happen to them all the time. I think like, you know, actually... One thing I do actually, which is just nosiness, it's not, <laughs> it's not interesting, <laughs> is <laughs> I like talking to people. I like listening to people. And I have a fantastic skill <laughs> in getting them to tell me the most interesting thing that ever happened to them. <laughs> so I suppose, like, where you would start, if I was just doing it in a more formal setting, like a creative writing group, I'd say, just tell me about the most interesting thing that ever happened to you. Nice. Because if it's, yeah, if it's interesting to you, it's going to be interesting to everybody else because we're all pretty similar, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. That's true. Now, what about someone who's come to you and they've uh, completed the first draft of their memoir, whether it's a chapter or whether it's a book or whether it's just a, an essay? Well, it kind of depends how complete it is at what stage. If they're just at an early stage, just talk about it, how to push it through, how to finish that first draft. At that stage, it's still a creative process. So like, if they were stuck, you might say, well, Memoir isn't too difficult because a human life has a natural narrative shape in terms of being born and carrying, you know, like yeah, and yeah. all its all yeah. its things. So, so in terms of structure, memoir is really not that hard. Do you know, it might feel so. When the reason memoir can feel hard to people is because it's very exposing. You're being open. You're being honest. You're, it's not that the structural issues are a problem when it comes to memoir, because you're not inventing a life. You're not inventing another person. You're writing about yourself. So it's more about having the courage to tell those stories. 
yeah so that's I think like in terms of memoir writing that's what that's where you that's where you come from when you're working with people doing memoirs just encouraging them to tell the stories and, and uh, find out what's inside them that's lovely are you writing your memoir or have you written memoirs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I can tell you something interesting if you want. Sure. Uh, my father died many, 45 years ago mm. when I was quite young. And um, he was a writer himself. That obviously affects the fact I'm a writer too. But he wrote um, film and television. But he had been in China during the revolution. And when he was there, he started a novel. And when I was 12 or 13, we moved to the country so that he could get away from the television world and finish this novel. I'm telling you this because it's kind of, it was very closely based on reality. So it had a very memoir thing to it. And that book got lost after he died. He died just a couple of weeks after finishing it. And, uh, and it was found last year. And so it's amazing to have this, this piece of his life suddenly returned. I think memoir is fantastic for the people you leave behind. Yeah, like it's amazing to read this and hear his voice and see the things he saw and experience the things he experienced things that were quite recent to him but are a long way away for me you know yeah it's just and to see your father as a young man like he was before I was born because it's set before I was born is interesting as well I think so I'm really glad he wrote wrote yeah well they're right that's an endorsement right there for the for the process yeah yes now did you mention, am I correct, that you were turning it into a screenplay or that he had a screenplay oh, with yeah. that? Or is that something else? No, no, no. I, yeah, I am. I am because the person that, <laughs> the person that discovered it among her father's possessions is actually, he was in China with my father um, and he had sent it to this guy just before he died. That's how it got lost. Like, and, um, and she found it when she was going through her father's things after her father died many, many years later. And um, and she happens to be a film developer. Ah, yeah. Oh, it's a lovely story. And so you're engaged in that now. Yeah, that's what you're. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm engaged in right now. Yeah, turning what was in my father's experience into something out there. Yeah, lovely. What a wonderful. Uh, that's a wonderful story in and of itself. It is. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. When you hit a wall, do you ever hit a wall? I'm assuming you hit a wall in your writing. Yes. No. Well, some bits are more difficult than others, I suppose. But you just keep going. You kind of have to really, don't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I'm, the reason I'm asking is thinking of people coming on the tour who, who feel like they're blocked somehow. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, I just wondering someone who's been a writer for so long. I think it would be wonderful to be on the tour because um, because I think when you're around other people writing and you're talking about writing, it's just incredible how it ups your game. Yeah, I, there, was a, there was a couple of times 
right back when I was a teenager that I had managed that I was lucky enough to go on something very like what you're describing um, sort of resident writers and but lots of people that are just there and they're writing from different you know different stages of their own abilities and everything like that and just a week in that atmosphere ups your game just it's just remarkable do you know I don't yeah. know why it's just I suppose it's the focus bringing folks to bear the sort of creative bars the it was it's surprising how effective it is so I wouldn't be worried about being blocked like the nothing like that being around other writers who are who are just talking and working to just clear all that away yeah Oh, that's excellent. That's brilliant. I, I love hearing that. And that's a perfect thing to send on to our people to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's well true done. as well. <laughs> <laughs> I you yeah. Glad you got that part in there, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What keeps you going? What keeps you going? I mean, you found this, you, this manuscript that your, uh, your father had written. Do you, when you're writing a book, do you just have ideas come to you or do you meditate or do you go for walks along Ross Strand and, oh, I think I should write about that time in Paris or what, what inspires you? I don't know, stories people tell to me or just, I think we don't really know what inspires us. I think just stuff surfaces like, and it, I can't remember who said if we knew what we were, you know, if we knew what we wanted to say, we wouldn't be writing fiction, you know, we'd just be saying it and moving on. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think stories is like a process of talking about being blocked. I think stories are like a way of getting something out. It's like it's dreaming on a page. Nice. Yeah. I like that, which sort of answers another question I had for you. It seems that now with the advent of uh, self-publishing, and it seems like there's more writing now than there's ever been in the history of humans. Yeah, it's great. It is great. And do you find that that it waters down the writing or that writing that we need to be even more careful about writing or less careful or just simply write or is there a greater appreciation as an editor for what you see coming out of people. I think uh, people have always poured out stuff. And what's nice now is that they have platforms to to put out stuff that they really care about without being, you know, without too many traditional gatekeepers. And I think that's a really good thing. Like I've had, I do, I have a sort of small stable of authors and, uh, and some of them are traditionally published. In fact, actually, most of them are. But um, and they just come to me first. <laughs> but um, but I have some that are self-published, and they would have been like rejected quite nastily. And they're making a lot of money, I have to say. And I know that's not the reason for writing. They're making a hell of a lot more money than I do. I tell you. So like, so there is <laughs> what I suppose what I tried to say is not rush out there and make money, but there is there are readerships out there for the kind of storytelling that traditional gatekeepers of the publishing world would turn away at the gate 
and consigned to the bin. And there is a surprising amount of breeders out there for quite simple human stories, not massively complicated, not massively literary, but honest, simple human storytelling. And it is quite remarkable how many people really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to let you okay. go. I just like talking with you. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, thank you for talking to me and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Fish. Then. All right. Bye. All right. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Ink and Pete, a production of Memoir Tours Ireland. You can learn more about Memoir Tours and find other podcasts on our website, memoirtours.com. And we'd love to know if you have ideas for shows or requests. We'd love to hear from you. Contact Craig or Barb at memoirtours.com. Until next time, may you find joy where you least expect it. <laughs>